0: 5 o'clock hour here on the Blitz 1170. What is up? Welcome in as we get set for a very cold weekend here in the city of Tulsa. My name is Jeremy Poplin, Colby Daniels, and Scott File. Let's welcome in John Holcomb from upstairs at the News on 6. And you might hear him tomorrow afternoon with basketball as Oklahoma State invades Ames, Iowa. Tropical this time of the year, John, is what the liner says playing here on the Blitz 1170. Um, Cold here, but... A level of cold in Ames and also in Kansas City with what we're going to see in an NFL playoff game that they are calling a potential life-threatening situation, at least in Kansas City outdoors. But uh, Ames is uh, right in the middle of all this, my man. Dehumanizing is the word that (laughs) comes to mind. Dehumanizing.
1: (laughs) Oh, gosh. I mean, the Big 12 is tough enough. Yeah. You know, when you have to go on the road, but now you back back-to-back games. So here's the situation, Bob. Okay. Scheduled, we're scheduled to leave at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Yes. Did not happen, uh-huh. obviously. If, if you check the Des Moines Airport uh, website, <laughs> I think it's, one, it's frozen, and two, the airport's shut down. <laughs> uh,
0: so did the website, by the way. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. So there you go. Um so now the plan is a very early wake up call, okay, and uh, leave from. Well, I think I think that our meeting time is supposed to be six thirty in the morning. All right, and it's still to be determined whether that's going to be at Gallagher IBA and get on the bus, or at the Stillwater Airport and get on the bus there, and go to Oklahoma City. Gonna to have to fly out of Oklahoma City in the morning. Yeah. And then the the reason for whether it's Gallagher or whether it's uh, Stillwater Airport is still trying to get a uh, handle on whether we're going to fly back into Oklahoma City or fly back into Stillwater after the game. So uh, good times. And uh, they're going to take advantage of another night in their own beds, kind of like Monday night, mm-hmm. They'll go through, uh, walk through and, and video study and that sort of thing and have dinner. Uh, tonight pretty much at Gallagher and then uh, get back up in the morning and and uh, head out to the uh, city of Ames
0: you when you guys were in Lubbock I think you were you saw the photos of Ames that came out already when Houston was playing there so I can only imagine you've had like a week to sit on this and think about okay preparing myself to go into this and there's nothing more frustrating John than it being a situation that is completely out of your control, because no one is controlling that other than good old Mother Nature up in Iowa right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, some people would argue that it's harp for <laughs> the extra A. In there. You might want to look that up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Th- there's there's a lot that can be frustrating anyway. But don't complicate that by. Getting you over, more frustrated over something, you, you yeah, you can't, you can't fix this. You just no. gotta wait for the right opportunity to get there. So, uh, I guess the 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 glass half full, which would be full of ice, by the way, uh, would would be, hey, we've had experience with this this week. Let's see how we can improve the outcome based on how we approach this from a you know from a mental emotional standpoint. So it's not like, I mean, th- this goes back to old school stuff. When I know that Norm Stewart at Missouri years ago, they would, they would, they would fly in on game days, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it, it used to be more of a thing, but over the last 10, 20, maybe 30 years, it's become more of get out there the day before that sort of thing. And so, but now, you know, you've, you've gone through this, you understand how it feels if you're one of the OSU's players and uh, just, you know, prepare yourself as best you can for a team that is really good at home and coming off a big win.
0: Uh, so I've, I've flipped over, I've flipped over. I mean, we were in studio when it when it came on last night. And then I listened to Mike Boyden on the way home on his coaching show. First thing that Dave asked Mike is just about the loss in the league. And Mike just basically said, you know, you're seven and... Uh, The league's still good. (laughs) It's like, and I just, it was funny the way that he phrased that and to have it phrased as still good. It might be at a level considering how the early portion of the season has gone to where you had some teams that you consider to be in the upper echelon, but maybe we discounted a few teams like central Florida's victory over Kansas. Uh, we knew houston was going to be good but the uh the league itself is probably at a level of difficulty that we haven't even seen since mike boyden took the job and trying to get a team developed into win consistently uh to his point yep league's still good and it's not coming back to earth to allow us to get any better
1: oh it's just ridiculously tough and any given night. You know, let's take the UCF win over Kansas the other night. I think Kansas was up, what, sixteen? First half? They were. Something like that. And UCF was coming off just getting manhandled by Kansas State in Manhattan. So you would have thought that you know Kansas would kind of cruise. And I have to believe without having watched more than just the highlights of that game, that Kansas just let down. Because at first you're thinking Wow, you see what they just how Kansas State just beat them. Let's just go in and take care of business. And I think they just thought they'd taken care of business. And UCF, to its credit, uh, was able to find that inner resolve and just to know we're we're not going to be the doormat of the league here. And before you know it, you hit a few shots, and then you're a step faster than Kansas, and you're forcing Kansas into some mistakes and And tough shot selection, and and you've got a huge win. Probably the uh, biggest win in UCF basketball history. Um, And I don't know, I could probably take probably out of there, but I don't want to shortchange Taco Fall.
0: So you know, whatever what, what, what happen back then. Yeah, I don't think anyone could ever shortchange Taco Fall. For <laughs> a great point. For as for as tall as he is. Yeah, and I had never seen them actually put palm leaves over the top of the basketball rims before either after a big win. I don't know if that's just something new that they started in Central Florida, but hey, you do you, buddy. Yeah, Bill yeah. Bill had said um so they were it was sixteen points and they got to the under four timeout and Bill said, I told the team, hey, we got to get this, we got to get this thing to 20 and not let it get to 10. And his quote was, we should, I should have told them, don't let it get to eight. Because it got to, it went from 16 to eight at halftime. And after that, Kansas just came out old. They had nine turnovers. Um, and it, it got away from them at that point. So that that's how it can happen, though. And it can happen in a hurry in a league like this. So what has kind of been the mood so far this week from whatever you've been able to put together coming off of what has been one of maybe the worst defensive performances we've seen in the Mike Boynton era.
1: Well, um I think, you know, at least on the on the trip home Tuesday night after a really long day, they, you know, there was it was appropriately quiet on the bus, you know. I think that uh, you know, the guys that we talked with after the game, a couple of your leaders who've been there a while, Bryce Thompson and John Michael Wright, um, were very insistent about, you know, trying to help the young guys, especially rebound after this, this type that type of an effort. So, you know, I think there's uh, – is there a back to the drawing board? Well, a little bit defensively. I mean, you've got to credit Pop Isaacs for catching fire and then able to, you know, use screens, those big screens from Warren Washington – seven-footer and, and curling off of him and the Cowboys played it pretty well at times and then not as well at times but after the you know the situation where it was an and one I think for Darian Williams in the first half and Isaacs hadn't even scored and you're under seven minutes to go and a half um, and he uh, you know Warren, um, uh, Williams misses the free throw that would have completed a three-point play but they get the rebound and kick it out to Isaacs for an open three, and it's just one of those things you could see it develop in slow motion. You went, oh, no, he's, this is where it starts. And sure enough, it was a five-point trip with Isaacs making the, the uh, three. And so he ends up with 24 points in just a little more than 24 minutes, which, uh, you know, then it didn't matter if you're, if you're tight on him coming off, you know, screens when he's getting the ball. He's still going to – you can play great defense. He's still going to make shots. So uh, there's that, but there's, I think what happened Tuesday night was a lot of this. I don't, Texas Tech did not come out with um, a lot of intensity, especially on the defensive end. The Cowboys did, the Cowboys hit early shots, and then once Tech adjusted, I think it was the under 12 timeout in the first half, Grant McCaslin calls a timeout, and it was like night and day on the defensive end for Tech that instead of kind of playing off and in gaps, he had his guys getting up a little more aggressively on OSU. Um, and it, it translated, they, they fed off of that on the offensive end. And uh, the Cowboys didn't respond themselves. And that's not unusual for a team, especially for younger guys going through a Big 12 road game for the first time. So you come out and you play pretty well, you make shots. Then then things are going really well. Then all of a sudden the tone of the game changes and the intensity is picked up by your opponent it's hard for younger guys to kind of match that and and counter punch again and and that's exactly what happened i mean give connor dow some credit he came in and, and made a three and it looked like you know when you were down whatever it was and all of a sudden it's a four-point game and dave said on the air at that point he said if you can get this you know between four and six at halftime you have to feel pretty good about that and as soon as he said it then you know tech rolls off Five more points and you're down nine. It, it was just hard for them to answer the intensity once Texas Tech flipped that switch. You know, I think that the constant attention to the defensive intensity for OSU is a work in progress. But I think that's the first place that you go if you're Mike Boynton, and I, I know that he's done that in practice, getting ready for this trip.
0: So Boynton had a good comment as as John Holcomb joins us here on the Blitz 1170. And he was talking about the urgency that you have to have for every possession when you're in a moment like that. It's not necessarily one of those things, John, that when I just think back of when I've watched them, I, I, I didn't feel like I was watching them saying, okay, you've got to have a little bit more sense of urgency. It's just about in those, in those moments, in having a, a unique awareness as to timing flow of the game and having it when you need it the most. I thought that that was a pretty pointed comment there from, from Mike Boyden.
1: Well he knows yeah he knows his team really well you would expect him to but he really but really does and what what happens more often than not when the Cowboys don't don't show that urgency in possessions where a team is making a run at you the the biggest way it shows up is you're not getting inside of a defense in other words you're allowing their perimeter pressure to you to just throw the ball around the perimeter and then somebody's got to shoot it because the shot clock's winding down and you end up shooting um, for the most part a contested three and and that's that's kind of how that's borne out for for osu in in those stretches so far you know i I thought the second half after the start of the second half where they let the you know the uh, deficit grow into double digits i thought that once but they were down and they needed to make a run at least they were showing signs that we're going, to, we're going to take coaches' advice. We're going to drive it inside the defense and force them to have to uh, adjust to what we're doing. And I thought, for the most part, yeah, you, you lose by 17, and maybe it matters, maybe it doesn't matter. But for this team, especially the young guys, when you're trying to dig yourself out of a hole that's on the road, uh, not losing that aggressive mentality while finding that sense of urgency with every possession – uh, that's as important a lesson, and 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 you've got to be mature enough as a young guy to understand that this does matter. It may not matter tonight in the ultimate outcome of this game, but this matters with the way that we're playing right now. This has to continue, and uh, you know sometimes it's a hard lesson for the young guys to learn.
0: John, um, knowing the importance of this game with what's coming up on Tuesday, um, we'll talk more about what the ultimate outcome of this is on Monday. I wanted to get your thoughts based off of what the weather is and knowing what you're going into. What's the coldest environment that you've either reported in, that you've been a part of, or been a fan of? I've got one that I remember off the top of my head, but I'm intrigued as all get out now with some of the minus 30-degree wind chills that we're going to see in Arrowhead on Saturday.
1: Oh, man. Uh, well, ironically, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is another Saturday game in Ames, in basketball. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and it, it was uh, – it's it been a few years ago, but it was the game – and Brendan Manzer was doing some radio with us at the time. And so Brendan and I get to the arena, and I don't think we travel with a team to this one. So Dave was already in the arena. And if you're a veteran of going to Hilton Coliseum – you know which side the loading dock is on, and you know that's the easiest way to get in there. And you know that if you're, you know, two hours or two and a half hours ahead of tip, that that's pretty much the only way you're getting into that building. And it was uh, it was an earlier tip on Saturday than tomorrow's will be. It was like a noon tip or one o'clock or whatever. Well, it had been nine below with snow all over the place when we got in the night before. Fortunately, the sun was out on that Saturday morning and Brendan and I are, are uh, walking there. And at the time I had a, I had a bag, you know, like a, like a suitcase on rollers or whatever, or, you know, just kind of like a briefcase on rollers really instead of the backpack. And so I've got to pull that with me. And in one of the smarter moves I've made in my professional career, I left my gloves back in uh, Tulsa. Of course. So, so here's Brendan and me. And Brendan didn't have any gloves either. I don't know how that happened. Dave's already in the building. So we park where they had us park at this time, and we're thinking closest door, closest door, which is on the exact opposite side of the loading dock. So I am pulling that, that briefcase, and I'm changing hands every three seconds. <laughs> it is that cold. <laughs> yeah. And then we get to the door, and, of course, it's locked. And there's no one there nearby to open it for us. And then um, Brendan looks at me and goes, Loading ducks on the other side, right? I said, "Yeah, we probably ought to try it." So we do. So then we get into the game. It's still below zero when we're walking there, but at least the sun was out. Then Dave monitors on his laptop. He's curious about you know weather and everything. So we're in pregame at some point, and he's been giving updates on it. it's now you know three below here at the Hilton Coliseum, blah blah blah. And then we finally, right before tip, he says another temperature update here in Ames. It is now zero. <laughs> And I will never forget that call. So that, that has, but at least we were inside for the game. Okay. Yeah, no doubt. But, but it is Ames. and, And this is, this is more often than not what makes them hearty Midwesterners.
0: I thought it was a brilliant idea to take at the time the uh, my wife who I was dating back in 2001 to the uh, Cotton Bowl versus OU in Arkansas, uh, which is notorious for being one of the colder games and uh, your boy here. Um, only had enough money for like upper deck tickets. So we set, I believe like four rows from the top in the upper deck of the cotton bowl. And that was one of the coldest moments I ever had. And I looked at her and said, I wouldn't blame you if, uh, you needed to call one of your friends to drive you actually back to town because this was a horrific idea for us to go here. I, I spent, um, if I'm not mistaken, they were selling blankets that were made of fleece material that were the size of basically a small bath towel. I wouldn't even consider it a blanket. It mainly like a hand towel. I think I paid 50 bucks for one of those because I was so cold. There was no, there was nothing else to do other than to just leave and I didn't want to leave. Uh, so yeah, I spent $50 on basically a hand towel that was made of fleece material to try to cover her up with, but I will never forget that. It is, it was a miserable, miserable
1: existence. I've actually buried the lead on this, though, Pop, and and your towel story reminds me of it. I went with a friend, and I was still in college at the time. A buddy of mine called me up early that Saturday and says, hey, I got a couple of Bedlam tickets for us. He goes, what time? Because I was working part-time at a bank of all places. And uh, he, he said, what time do you get off work? I said, well, it's Saturday. We close early. He goes, okay, well, we can leave right after that. And, of course, we're not even thinking, it, but it was the ice bowl. In <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> and, yeah, so so we go, and I have, no lie, seven layers of clothing from the waist up and three from the waist down. <laughs> and I have never been that cold at a sporting event. <laughs> and those little towels that they had, you, it, people can go back and see this on video, the little orange towels that the OSU fans would wave. Were frozen solid, and so you saw you uh, know one, one looked like a churro. yeah, and another one was just flat out like it'd been laid out, and they're waving it, and it's, it, you know, it's not even moving. Uh, I, always, I, I think back to halftime, and i I always look back at this as the best cup of hot chocolate I've ever had. But I think it's just because the word "hot" was in there, and it wasn't hot for very long. But and then we then we skated our way back on the roads 177 back to Shawnee but that by far is the coldest I've ever been outside. So yeah.
0: Two for me was, uh, covering the big 12 championship game, the Darren Sproles year when, uh, he went off on Oklahoma. That was <laughs> yeah. freezing at Arrowhead as well. John, best of luck in all the travels, man. Can't wait to, uh, check in with you again on Monday. Stay safe, my friend, and try to stay warm if you can, uh, up in Ames this weekend.
1: Thank you, pop. And, uh, everyone stay warm here. Uh, check on your pets and, uh, those who may be of a more advanced age.
0: That's right. That is right. All right, buddy. See you uh, on Monday. That is uh, John Holcomb joining us here on the Blitz 1170, and we're streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app. I believe that's Dusty Dvorak's music that I hear coming up after this timeout here on the Blitz.